This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Robots Radio presents Myth. The podcast where we explore the very soul of the human story. You and your men gather around the bonfire in a little village on your way home. It's been months since you've been back to Rome. Your soldiers are weary. You've been on the road. Many battles have scarred them in ways both physical and emotional. But as the end of the year approaches and the air gets cooler you're thankful for a time of rest the soldiers that you've gathered together are the remnants of a group that set out in the spring and they're ready to go home the good people of this village have offered you warmth and food and as you gather around the bonfire You share with them what little you have to give back. Stories. And at first the conversation revolves around commonalities, things that you have in common with this group of Romans on the outskirts of the empire. But soon it turns to stranger things. Stories of your adventures, of the places you've been, the things you've seen in faraway lands, and what you've learned on your journeys. The head of the village welcomes you to feast, brings out the food, and says, Welcome, good countrymen. We appreciate your service to the Empire, and we wish you safe travels in the morning as you continue home to Rome. Feast. Make yourselves comfortable. And you stand and you give your salutations and your thanks to the people of the village. And you say, I wish we could give you more, but we thank you for your hospitality. What we can't give you in coin or in services, we can return to you with stories. And so you begin retelling stories of your adventures and the strange lands you've been to. And before long, after a number of rounds of drinks, things start to loosen up and talk of the gods and of the faiths of the people that you've visited begins to be shared among your men and the people of the village. And this catches the attention of 
the head of the village, who says, So tell us more of of your journeys, of these strange foreign gods. And you look at your men and you say, Well, there is one we've heard about, and a number of the men now follow, who, well, we believe grants salvation. And the villagers look interestingly at you, and the village leader says, you're, you're talking about salvation apart from the Roman, the Roman gods? How does, how does that work? And you respond, well, there is a rite and a ritual, including blood and the forgiveness of sin. And the group looks even more interesting at your, at your group. And you bring over one of your soldiers who is wearing a sign, a symbol of this new deity. And you say, well, this is the symbol of the deity. And we will be celebrating in just a few months on December 25th, the birth of this God. And many of us now follow this God. And the villagers look puzzled. So the birth of a new god, how does, how does that work? And you explain to them that this was a miraculous birth. And some would say that this new deity was delivered from a virgin. And murmurs echo between the villagers. How could this be? What born of a virgin? How does that work? And discussion follows. And stories get told. And by the end of the night, the question arises from the villagers. Well, is this, is this your new God? Do you believe that this is the God? And a number of your soldiers stand together and reply, yes, this God has been with us on the road. They have seen us through difficult times, brought us triumph, and is returning with us. To Rome. And we will share this with whoever will listen, because we believe that our contract with this God brings forth the salvation of all, friendship, and the success of the Empire. The next morning dawns, and your men rise and bid the villagers farewell, and thank them one last time for their warmth, the beds, and the food that they shared. And you continue on your way. And this story repeats itself, day after day, until the soldiers make their way back to Rome. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Ameren. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from.
In the ancient world, stories like this may have occurred more regularly than what we would imagine. And the story that I'm telling here is not about Christianity and Jesus, although it, it has similarities. This is a story about Mithras. Mithras was a Persian god, a god that they worshipped in Iran, the god of contracts and friendship. By the time word of him spread to the Greek and the Roman lands, he was also seen as a god of the sun. And yes, the ancient world was very complex. The Greeks had their own gods, the ones that we now relate to, say, the planets. And the Romans took many of those Greek gods and used them for themselves. But there were many other groups of individuals who worshipped gods of other lands. And stories were told and shared, and many of the stories that we know today were passed down word of mouth from one group of people to another group. And many of these stories had commonalities. In the story of Mithras, he slayed a bull, and the bull is depicted as white. And in the slaying of that bull, he spilt the blood of the bull. And there's a painting on the wall of the St. Crisca Mithrium, dated all the way back to the second century of the Common Era. And it's in Rome, and it, it contains the words which are translated, you have saved us in the shed blood. So scholars have speculated that there is some form of salvation through blood tied to the cult of Mithras. Similarly, there are stories about Mithras that potentially could have him being born of a virgin. And he's not the only one. There are many figures throughout the ancient world who were rumored to be born of a virgin. This was a symbol that these individuals were different, that they were heaven sent or they were like the gods and that their teachings or the things they represented needed to be taken as more valuable than those of a common person. Now, there are other stories about Mithras that he was actually born of a rock that came out of the side of a cave. The rock concept is more substantiated, but there are rumors that potentially the virgin birth was also associated with Mithra. And like all of these things, at different times in different places, people believe different things and people mixed beliefs. There are many symbols and rituals that can be assigned to multiple deities. The symbol that the soldier was wearing was probably a circle with a cross in it, but the cross would have been sideways or diagonal. A symbol with a cross. A cross symbol isn't unique only to Christianity and the Mithras cult. It may have been associated with an ancient Egyptian deity as well. One who was worshipped 2,000 years before the time 
of Jesus. 2,000 years. That's the same amount of time that has passed from us to the life of Jesus as from Jesus back to this Egyptian god. The story goes that the Egyptian queen, Mut-em-Ua, who is said to have been a virgin at the time, gave birth to the pharaoh Amenkept III. And she had been told that she was with child by the god Tot. And the god Neph impregnated her by holding a cross, the symbol of life, to her mouth. Amenkept's birth was celebrated by the gods and by three kings who offered him gifts. You see the similarities here between the story with Jesus, three kings and gifts, the cross, the virgin birth. This was 2,000 years before the time of Christianity. There are other virgin births as well throughout stories, many, many different virgin births. Ra, the Egyptian sun god, was supposedly born of a virgin. Net, Horus, was the son of the virgin mother Isis. In Egypt and in other places such as Assyria, Greece, Cyprus, and Carthage, a mythological virgin mother and her child was often a popular subject of art and sculpture. Attis, a Phrygian Greek vegetation god, was born of the virgin Nana. And by one tradition, Dionysus, the Greek character, half-god and half-human, was the son of Zeus, born to the virgin Persephone. And Persephone also supposedly birthed Jason, a character with no father, human or divine. And in other Greek myths, Perseus was born to a mortal woman named Danae and fathered by Zeus. And we know that Zeus got around. Zeus also slept with a mortal woman named Io, and they had a son and a daughter. He slept with the mortal Leda, who gave birth, well, to Helen of Troy and other children. And some stories say that Helen of Troy was actually hatched from an egg. And the stories go on from there. The philosopher Plato in Greece is said by some to have been born of the virgin Periction, and fathered by the god Apollo, who gave warning to Ariston, Periction's husband-to-be. These stories are all over the ancient world. They are everywhere. And they don't just include mythological characters like Zeus mating with a woman in order to give birth to some half-god, half-man demigod of some sort. Uh, when we think about these things in our modern world, you, you impose the name of Zeus on something and it almost becomes a cartoon. But you use the word Jesus and all of a sudden it becomes serious. What about a name like Mithras? We're not as familiar with that in the Western world. So again, it becomes more serious. And then you start talking about real people. Plato. Plato was a real person. We have documents written by Plato. We have many people who wrote about Plato's teachings. We have government documents noting that Plato was a person. 
What about somebody as famous and as real as Alexander the Great? Well, there's myths about him too. In one story, Zeus, in the form of a snake, impregnated his mother with him. Stories of other real humans also have mythological births. In the days after Buddhism was created and started to take hold in India, followers of Siddhartha Gautama decided he must have been born of a virgin named Maya by divine decree. Genghis Khan, who many of us associate with the conquest and the murder of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, in some stories was born to a virgin seated by a great miraculous light. Also, in that part of the world, the founder of the Chinese empire, Fo He, is said to be born of a woman, not necessarily a virgin, when she ate a flower or a red fruit. It's also said that in Korea, the river Ho gave birth to a son when seated by the sun itself. These stories range the spectrum of the ancient world. They're not just things that come up in Mediterranean tales or the Middle East. We can go as far away as Korea and find stories of virgin birth. If we come back to Rome, then there are also stories about Augustus Caesar, who was supposedly born when Apollo slept with a mortal woman named Adia. Later on, he was called a savior and the son of God, and his birthday was celebrated. A birthday that marked for the world the beginning of good tidings through his coming. And this was something that some Romans would claim about him. The idea that you worshipped the emperor was built into these cults or religions, depending on your view of it, in a way that turned these powerful individuals into more than just human. Even the founding of Rome is built around myth. It's said that Rome was founded by two brothers, Romulus and Remus. And Romulus, in some stories, was born of the virgin Rhea Silvia. These stories are not unique. This is something that happens across most of the world and has been happening. And by has been happening, I mean these stories have been being told, not necessarily that these virgin births have occurred, but the stories of virgin births have been shared and continue to be shared by people across the world and have been for at least 4,000 years. Is there something innately human about this? Is there something in us that seeks for God's to walk among us, to have certainty in somebody who is more than we know we are, because we see the faults, we see the limitations in our own flesh. Or maybe, and some people would consider this another possibility, 
that all of these myths point to some deeper truth. That they are all reflections of a true story. To many Christians, this would be background and support for the idea that the world was preparing for an actual virgin birth and that that occurred with Jesus of Nazareth. That talk of salvation among other faiths was preparation for salvation through Jesus. But couldn't you make that argument for any single one of these different faiths that the others were in preparation or echoes of your one true faith? Where does it start? Where does it end? Is there a singular truth? Or are all of these stories that simply reflect the nature of what it means to be human? Somebody like Sigmund Freud, for all of his faults and all of the beliefs and psychology that we now know don't really hold up, did create a foundation for thought around psychological events with humans. And somebody like Sigmund Freud would say that these are all reflections of deeper-seated needs within ourselves. That when we think about a mother deity, that that is us yearning for our natural mothers. That when we seek a faith that provides salvation, that that is fulfilling a basic need for safety. When we associate ourselves with a God or a faith that says that we were chosen, that we are children of that God, that that gives us a justification for having a place in society, and that all of these different faiths put us at the center of the universe. Whether it's the ancient cults of Mithras, or Christianity, or even belief that your emperor came into being through a virgin birth, these are all stories that ultimately point back to us. They're all about us. They're all about our need to feel like we have a place in this world. They're all about our own justification of existing. And they all give us a center place in the universe. There's something fundamental about needing this. Why is it that human beings don't seem to be okay with the idea that we are a speck on creation, that we are a limited, limited, very short-lived creature in the span of it all? In the full expanse of the universe, in the 13.7 billion years since the Big Bang, or whatever you want to believe created everything, our lifespans rarely go for more than 100 years. We are but a speck. We are living on a tiny little planet, circling a very average star in one of the arms 
of a galaxy that may be one of hundreds of billions, if not more. And when you look at the world this way, it certainly seems like we aren't very important. Think about the world today. How many humans are on the planet? Seven billion humans. And then there's just you and me. Where do we fit in among seven billion people? Are any of us truly unique? Or is there someone else out there that is pretty much just like us? All of us have this basic need to try to justify ourselves in the universe. To tie ourselves to something greater through the worship of something, through a connection to an empire, a nation, our communities. But what if, what if it was true, or maybe I should say it this way, what if we could live the truth that we ourselves are unique, that simply within each of us, is something that has never existed before. And simply because of this, not because of anything outside of ourselves, simply because of who we are and what we are capable of, we have value. Simply because of that, that there's nothing that we need outside of ourselves to give us permission. What if inside of each of us is that? Think about it. We were created in some way, and many different people have many different beliefs about how that works. But simply the fact that we were created means that the universe or God deemed us creatable, deemed us worthy to be created. We were given permission on our birth to be something special. And in that way, aren't we all the sons and the daughters of creation itself? Does it matter if we directly came from a virgin birth or if the person that we look up to or worship came from a virgin birth? Weren't we all created ultimately by the universe itself is that good enough hey friends this is your host tom thanks again for tuning into this episode of myth i hope you guys are enjoying the new episodes and i'm planning to continue doing these and I'd love to hear some feedback from you. I'd love to hear what you like about these episodes, what you're enjoying about the show, and any feedback at all would be awesome. You can send me a message on Twitter at Podcast Myth, or you can send me an email at MythThePodcast at gmail.com, or you can check out all the different shows at RobotsRadio.net. That's the network that I have of a bunch of different podcasts. But please reach out to me. Let me know what you think about the show. And I could definitely use your help with making sure that I can keep producing these episodes. This is something that I've been endeavoring to do, uh, this show along with all of the other shows that I do and the network as a full-time 
job for myself. I currently work part-time at my regular job. I've been able through the other podcasts that I've been doing longer to shift my schedule to part-time and to do podcasting part-time, but I'm looking to do this full-time and I would love to keep making content and getting more and more better content, I guess you could say out there for everybody. So if this is something you'd like to support, then please share this show with your friends. Let them know, Hey, I found a really cool podcast to listen to. Here you go. Send them the link. Get them listening. If you are on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and review, and that is extremely helpful. Podcasts with more ratings and more listens are more likely to show up in recommendations on Apple Podcasts and other podcatchers as well. So if you're listening on a different platform and you can leave a rating and a review for the show, please do that as well. And if you'd like to support the show financially, which would be absolutely amazing, you can check out the rewards you can get for supporting our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. There are links to all of these things in the show notes and really any support you can give me to help me keep going with this would be extremely, extremely appreciated. So thank you so much for tuning into the show. And until next week, remember that you're somebody and that's good enough. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to myth. If you'd like to send us a note, we'd love to hear from you at myththepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at podcastmyth. If you'd like to support the show, please tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes. Or if you'd like to help us out financially and experience an ad-free version of the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources.